for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So today's episode, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and want me to talk to some guys that go out of state and do DIY public land hunts. So that's today. I got two guys on that do DIY public land hunts and uh, hope you guys enjoy it. All right, welcome to the Fall Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Blasey, and this is episode 108. And we've got a good one for you today. I've had some people, like I said earlier, reach out to me and really want me to get some guys on that that travel out of their states to go hunt public land or DIY hunts. So I've actually had a group of buddies that went to Kansas last year. There were six of them, but I, uh, I got two of them on here to talk today. Um, one is Aaron Swan. He's been on the podcast a couple other times and the other one is Justin Thielen. So he's been a good friend for a long time as well. We actually talk about their trip there and you know how they come to find out where they wanted to go, why they wanted to go out of state and leave Michigan to hunt. Um, we also talk about the tag process and how much money they spent on this trip and just different ways of doing it. And uh, it is pretty cool. I mean, they went four for six on this trip. So four out of the six guys actually killed killed bucks. Their first ever out-of-state uh, public land hunt, first ever out-of-state whitetail hunt in general. So it's pretty cool to talk to these guys. I mean, I knew a lot of the stories already, but I wanted to dive in a little deeper and uh, talk about the experience, talk about you know how they broke this property down, and ultimately how they were able to get on these bucks. So pretty cool hopefully you guys enjoy this one lastly i'm going to remind you guys again go leave a rating go leave a five-star review i really appreciate it and uh without further ado here is aaron and justin that was weird here's aaron and justin random aaron and justin they also host the podcast but now we have aaron and justin on the pod yeah you guys get it here it is all right today we're back again with another podcast and this one is actually coming on high demand, I would say. I've had a couple people reach out to me and want to know, well, actually, they want to hear from guys that are actually taking out-of-state trips 
to DIY public land or private land. So I got a couple buddies on with me today that they actually took their first out-of-state trip last year and were really successful. So there was actually six of them that went on the trip and four you guys killed? Four. Four you guys killed. And Justin, you got two opportunities. So um, we'll get into that, but uh, I do have two guys on with me here today. Aaron Swan sitting across from me, and then Justin Thielen, you're on the phone with us. Aaron's been on a couple times here. You guys have probably heard him on a couple podcasts, but Justin, nobody's really heard from you, so kind of break down who you are, you know, how old you are, and, and uh, basically where you're from. All right, yeah. Uh, my name is Justin Thielen, like Aaron said there. Uh, I'm actually from Beale City, Michigan. I'm 29 years old, and I've pretty much uh, lived in this area my entire life. Perfect. So just to kind of break down you in my perspective, <laughs> is you're the guy, so everybody can kind of relate to to the buddy, that everybody's got this buddy. You're the guy that gets all the good deer in front of him year <laughs> after year. What happens with that opportunity is for scene. <laughs> No, you've killed some really good bucks in your day, really good Michigan bucks, and you know went to Kansas and killed a great deer as well. So it is a little bit of jealousy of me coming through here and talking to you. So, but you you do have some great property. You work your ass off to to make it the way it is, and you have a knack for uh, for whitetail hunting, and I appreciate that about you. And uh, I'm excited to get into this. I mean, you and I talk quite a bit, so I'm I'm excited for everybody to hear your story and how how you do things. So excited to have you on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And sitting across from me is Aaron Swan. So if you want to, for the people that haven't heard you before on the other podcasts, kind of just give you a brief who you are. Um, as he said, Aaron Swan, uh, 34 years old, born and raised right here, local. Um, I'm, you know, moved to North Carolina for a few months and, Realized that wasn't for me, but aside from that, that's that's that. That's Swan in a nutshell. So anyway, if you guys haven't heard those podcasts, go back and listen to those with Aaron because he's got uh, got some good stories out there. He actually killed two bucks in one night two years ago here in Michigan, um, two bucks of a lifetime. So with his bow, so that's a pretty cool episode. I actually want to say it's like episode number ten. It was one of the first ones that I ever did. Real close. So with that being said, get, let's get to the nitty-gritty here. So you guys took a trip last year. Um, there were six of you, and there I only got two of you guys on here. We only could get two guys here um, just because of the mic situation, but maybe we'll have these guys, uh, the other guys on a little later to hear their stories as well. But you guys decided to go to Kansas. Now, it was your first out-of-state hunt um, for whitetails, and I guess we'll kick it off with you, Justin. Like, what was your plan I shouldn't say plan but what was your you know thought process when you actually like were getting ready to apply for the tag and was like okay this is you know what what were you thinking like this is something I've been wanting to do and were you excited or was it more like intimidating well you know it, it all started we had to fill out our applications and get everything lined up on the uh, Kansas Wildlife Parks and Tourism website uh, we applied in two groups. Um, it was kind of nerve wracking at first. We weren't, weren't really sure what to expect. You know, was one group going to draw tags and the other group wasn't going to draw or, you know, were we all going to draw? So it was just kind of a waiting game after we submitted our application to find out if we actually drew uh, deer permits. 
so it was more, I mean, like you said, a waiting game, but was it in, it was exciting. It had to have been because, you know, your first out of state trip and in, I think we'll get into it a little bit farther, but when I started hunting out of state, I don't know, a couple of years ago, like when I first started going, I was like, man, there's, there's bigger bucks out there. There's more opportunity. I, I mean, was that running through your head? Was that most of the excitement? Yeah. You know, you see a lot of it on TV. Uh, they talk about these, these monster Kansas bucks or these out of state bucks. And it's something that you always look forward to and hope that you can get out there and actually see it. But I really, at the time of application, I didn't really understand exactly what it was about to be. Until you actually accept or, you know, got the tag, was granted the tag. And then it was kind of like, okay, here we go. Let's get this thing going. Yeah, exactly. Once we found out that we had tags, it, it really sank in for me. And that's when all the, the research and the building the strategy, that's all, you know, it all started at that point. Yep. So on to you, Swan. So when you were applying, I mean, you've been out of state elk hunting before to Colorado. Um, when you were applying, what was your thought process? I know you and I've talked for years about, um, about my out of state trips and everything. And I've been kind of trying to tell you guys, like, it's, it's so different, but it's so hard to explain how different it is to someone that's never done it. So what, what was your thought process in it? It's, I mean, yeah, like you said, actually, Teelan went on that hunt to Colorado with us the previous year too. So, um, you know, that was way out of our element, something we're not used to. So it was kind of like, all right, that kicked our butts. We did come home, a couple guys successful, but it was like, let's go do something more so we may know and something we might be able to get a grip on. And then it's, but it was intimidating because it's like, which state do you go to? Right. And uh, you hear about all these big buck states and just so happened, I know a buddy that, he uh he's been going out there and he filled me in with a bunch of information i told the guys about it and i was like you know i mean let's try it let's let's do it and you know it, the chances of getting our tag was was pretty decent so i mean it, it it's a little intimidating trying to pick where you want to go and you never know what you're going to get into i mean it's it's an expensive tag for kansas i yep. mean um but at the end of the day once you uh once you get it you forget about what you paid for your tag, and then, it, like Teelan said, it's it's all a mind game. Then it's e scouting, it's yep. research, and figuring out where you're going to stay and what you're going to do. And next thing you know, it's it's time to go. So I guess, and I'll go back to you, Justin. What made you want to go out of state and hunt for whitetails? What was the like? I need, I want to do this so bad. Was it a challenge, or was it more of like I want to do what everybody else is doing? No, I. Personally, I would say, you know, you were talking about the property that I hunt here in Michigan and I do, I see a lot of nice bucks, uh, but I would say that they're typically your two-year-old bucks and they're in the hundred inch, you know, classification. So for me, it was, I want to go out there and not only, you know, one, learn something about a different state, but two, try to punch a tag on at least something you know, a nicer buck than what I'd have a chance at here, potentially. I got you. So, I mean, was that your goal going into it? I, I might be skipping ahead a little bit, but, you know, when you ultimately got the tag and, you know, you're heading to Kansas, what was your, your harvest goal? Or was it even a harvest goal? Or was it just to try to get on a buck and maybe have an opportunity? Yeah, I mean, it was a combination of both. I wanted to try to shoot something like you see on TV, obviously. But I also wanted to 
break down a piece of property that I've never stepped foot on before and, and try to figure those gear out and, and be successful at doing so. So it wasn't so much of like an inch or an age range for you. It was more of like, I just want to, you know, break it down and, and see, uh, you, you wanted to put your, your woodsmanship and your hunting skills to the test. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And especially, you know, being the first year, um, just really wanted to take it cautiously and just try to learn as much as possible. For sure. So Swan going to you, I mean, what was your take? Like, what did you, you know, why did you want to go out of state? Same thing or? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, I've, like you said, I, I've been fortunate enough. I've killed some pretty good deer here as well. Um, have some good, uh, private ground that I grew up on and stuff. And, but it's, it's a whole different aspect and I've been wanting to try the public land, you know, everybody, that's the big rant, the big rave right now. And why not go out and go completely blind and go to a different state you've never hunted before, especially when you you know somebody that's been there for multiple years and they've been successful and everybody has constantly told me here in Michigan and out outsiders from Michigan, hunters from other states, that if you can kill successfully on a regular basis in Michigan, you can go out of state and kill. Public land, private land, doesn't matter. So honestly, I wanted to put that to a test and really see if that was was true. So, I mean... At the end of the day, just getting out of state with the buddies is is yeah. worth it. At the end of the day, I yep. mean, we have a riot, and I was but. a little jealous. I was I was down in Kansas when you guys were there as well, but I was with, you know, working. We all have to work during the fall, so I mean, yeah, I was working. Yeah. Working, you say? <laughs> Actually, I was in Iowa for a little bit of that, but we won't get into that story. Um, yeah, so I I totally get that. Like it's it's a sense of accomplishment to go somewhere where you've never been in figure some deer out and be able to to get an opportunity and you know i said it uh before what you do with that opportunity is up to you you know it's it's one thing getting in front of them it's another thing getting to pull the trigger and and uh, getting them on the ground so well sweet you know that's uh, that's the main thing i wanted to get out of this too is just kind of pick your guys's brains about the thought process because i know a lot of guys out there thinking the same thing you guys are so you know, you guys decided to go public land. Was it even a thought to go private land? For me, no. Um, was I it mean, just like an extra added cost, or was it just like I want to do the public land thing? Uh, cost, costs a big thing, but I wanted, you know, I wanted to try the public land thing. Everybody says you can be successful on big bucks there, and I mean, we did when we went Colorado to Colorado. We hunted public ground, and it's just. It's a whole new ball game. Don't get me wrong. It'd be cool to go to a farm and know your percentages are cut out to 80% when you're putting money towards it and you're thinking, well, you know, I've never even been there. What is my, my kill percentage 10% or is it 90? And, mm-hmm. but the, this public grounds just, it does add a whole new aspect of it coming from somebody that's always hunted yep. private ground. Yeah. And so when you guys, um, got out there did you guys see any other people at all or were you basically feel like you were there by yourselves uh it was it, the first well we went out earlier on um that's right you like guys went in september trip. and you had a hell of a trip you had a good trip um yeah yeah <laughs> whatever you want to call that um there was there was some people there at that point but in september you know, wasn't that september yep and then we went back on our michigan gun opener here november 15th and I mean, I think Teelan can vouch for this. It's it's a decent amount of property out there, but for what we're used to seeing, 
I mean, you could have considered me seeing nobody out there. There, there wasn't yeah. no people. So Justin, for you, I mean, when you guys, so you guys are going to Kansas. You got the tags. Everybody's drawn. Now it's like the e scouting. So, what was your plan of attack? You know, you're 14, 15 hours away from this property. You've never set foot on it. What was your plan for e-scouting? I mean, were you, what were you looking for? I mean, it could be intimidating. You're looking at all these trees and trying to decipher what it is and what ridges are and everything. So what was your kind of plan from there? Yeah, you know, obviously I started like a lot of people do on Onyx Maps and really started looking at the property lines, figuring out what was public, what's private. And from there, I take it to the the lay of the land, figuring out what looks like it's going to be the hardest possible piece of property to get to. You know, is it surrounded by private land on all three sides? And on the fourth side, you have water. So you're going to need a boat to get back there. You know, that's the kind of stuff that starts jumping out to me. And those are kind of my target areas going into it. So your plan was to like get far back where, you know, you wouldn't think anybody else would get there. You want to, you want to almost kill yourself to get back there. That's what you're thinking. Yeah, exactly. And you know what, kind of doing some YouTube watching and stuff. You watched, uh, you know, THP and the hunting beast and, uh, you know, all the guys out there, Sturgis and so on and so forth. But they all talk about, you know, getting away from that hunting pressure. Because those big mature bucks are going to, they're going to figure that out. They're going to pattern the people and they're going to, they're going to kind of retreat to those type of areas per se. Yep. So Swan, what was your thought process when you're looking at a map? Because you never set it foot on it either. I mean, you had a little bit of insider information with your buddy, but did you take that to heart or you were like, oh, those are kind of fallback spots or, you know, you wanted to figure out something yourself? Um, No, we, we took those to heart. And, you know, actually when we got down there in September, go figure that the spots, couple spots that he had said, you know, kind of the general area, that's where the people were. So it was, it was kind of fall back to other spots, but no, I was the same, I was the same way as Justin. It was the beat, getting off the beaten path big time. I mean, yep. trying to get to where places, um, you wouldn't think anybody else would go. And I mean, that's, that makes it intimidating because it's. I mean, it's no joke. It's a it big was, chunk, right? It's a big chunk of land, and it was you could go a long ways. Was it like fifteen or twenty thousand acres? Yeah, all continuous. Yep. Wow, that is a big chunk. Yeah, and it's uh, th- me was pinch points. Pinch points was the biggest thing. Pinch points and trying to get off the beaten path, and then kind of going from there. Um, you know, there was lots of little pinch points if you really got down to the nitty gritty. Yep. And, you scan it for hours and you go back the next day and it's like, why didn't I see this? Yep. So, I mean, I think it's funny because I'm pretty sure everybody made fun of me and Justin the whole time because we had so many pins when we went down there the first time. And uh, we we found out real fast that <laughs> we had way more than we needed. So, but before you went there, though, having all those pins, was that more of like a, a blessing or a curse? Was um, it like, oh, I got to get to all these spots and look at them? Or was it like, I got a lot of opportunity here. Where, where do I want to go? Uh, I I would say a little bit of both for me at least because you get down there and I would definitely say Justin would vouch the terrain was a whole different ball game than what it'd show on Onyx in, in a lot of places. So 
Um, as far as that goes, some of them pins, it was just like it was out the door right then. Yep. And then you're driving by others to go there, and it's like, whoa, okay. Everything looked good yep. at, at the end of the day. But what was what was actually going to be profitable? Right. What about you, Justin? Was it more having more pins a blessing or a curse? You know, I actually liked having all the pins that I had marked um, because then I could go to those spots and take a look around and actually see what the train looks like. And if there's if it doesn't look appealing or if there's not a sign or if it doesn't look like what you know what I thought it would be on the maps, you can delete that pin and you don't have to go back to that spot again. You know, it's yep. it's more or less narrowing it down to what is actually appealing versus what looked good on the maps. I got you. So when you guys, you had all these pins, and I'm guessing when you guys are driving down there, I've been through, I go through it every year. It's like you're driving there, you got a long drive, it's long, but it's like you're excited. You know, it's something new. Like, let's go do this. So when you get there, I mean, was it, holy shit, overwhelming? Or was it like, okay, because I know for my experience when you get there and, and I'm not hunting public ground. I hunt a lot of private and we go back to the same, sometimes majority of the time, same places we've hunted for a couple of years, but still, I still get that feeling like, man, we got a lot to do and we got a little bit of time, you know, you might only have four or five days or six days and you're like, you got to check out this and where's the hot sign here. And did this change in the last eight months or what that since I've been gone. So like when you got down there and really started driving around and getting into this stuff, like Justin, what, what was it for you? I mean, was it just like, uh, I, was it almost like uh wind out of your sails? Like there's so much, or was it more like gung ho? Here we go. Honestly, Aaron, we had no idea what we were in for. <laughs> we were, we get down there and day one, we went to go pull all of our cards from our cameras. And during our travels that day, we saw... You, well, you sep- left cameras down there in September, right? So you're talking yes. when, when you went down there to hunt. Yep, exactly. So our main goal when we got down there, day one, was to pull all of our cards, check the cards, and see what's been in the area over that last month. And during those travels, we had seen 17 bucks on their feet that day. So this, So this is in November. This is November 14th, right, or 15th? November 15th. Okay, so let's go back to September. So your first time down there setting foot on the farm, was it like, was it like shit? Like, I don't have enough time, not enough time in the day, especially there's six of you too. So it's like, you want to help other people out or was it more like, you know, just let's go gung ho, let's go. Yeah. You know, I'd say it was gung ho, let's go, uh, except for we... (laughs) We unfortunately had like a day or two days of rain to where it was just pretty nasty outside. So we didn't get to scout as much as we wanted to in September, but we did get some cameras out and we got to see some of the land. But it was it was definitely, I would say, a sense of, wow, this is a ton of property. How are we ever going to cover this in <laughs> one week? Yeah, so coming out of September or coming out of that trip, I'll ask both of you, Justin, I'll ask you first, did you have any spots where it was like, this is going to be the spot where I start? Or was it just like, man, none of my spots I really feel good about. I'm just going to have to see what the camera said when I get back. Yeah. You know, I did have a spot that I thought was going to be the money spot. You know, it was that hard to reach area. I had to take a kayak to get back in there in September to set up my camera. And there was a creek that kind of ran parallel between bedding and a bean field. 
and there was beaten down paths coming from the bedding into that bean field. So I thought for sure, you know, at some point during the rut, there's going to be a buck cruising up and down this creek looking for does crossing out of the bedding. I thought for sure it was the fire, you know, the sure, the sure fire spot to be in. So is that where you put your cameras and, and was just hoping and praying that's where it would show you at least a buck, a good buck that you wanted to pursue when you get back? Yep, that's correct. So what were you putting your camera on then? I mean, I know Kansas, you can bait, but in public land, you cannot. So what are you putting your camera on when you're down there? I honestly just put my camera over one of those runways and figured, you know, I'd catch something moving through that area. I got you. So Swan, what was your plan? I mean, when you were down there and you're leaving, did you have a spot where you're like, this is, this is it? Or was it like, man, back to the drawing board? I got a lot of e-scouting to do. Um, <clears throat> kind of both once again, you know, the first trip was, I, I was on a little different aspect of Justin. I was like, and I was intimidated. It was so thick. Um, the weather was terrible. The first day we was there was, I mean, it wasn't raining, but it was a hundred degrees and we did go down to try to like a four day weekend. We were going to try to get in a couple hunts too, cause it was opening day or opening weekend. And, you know, I was fortunate enough. I seen a pretty good buck on stand, but we got into the ticks, something terrible, mainly me, um, <laughs> poison ivy, poison oak. Uh, but at the end of the day, I went back in and I had one spot that it was just, I don't know why it caught my eye. I just like something about it. And when we had went back in there, you know, we had been going through this terrain, which was pretty intimidating. I mean, it kicked our asses and, uh, it was, it was the last spot of the day we went back in. And when we got back in there, a couple other guys were with me and they were just like, why are you putting a camera here? You know, it was kind of, yep. And it was just one of those spots. It was in the middle of these ravines. There was this little tiny bedding area that was just covered in fresh beds. And I'm like, this is a spot. I don't know. To me, the way my mind thought, it's not going to be nothing right now, but it's either going to be a phenomenal spot when we come back if we hit the rut or you're not going to see nothing. So that ended up being the only camera I put out. And I felt good about that spot, but it was, like I said, it was one of those. It was either going to be fire or nothing. nothing. And... And aside from that, I had two or three other spots that we drove around the last day and I had definitely put on my radar, but it was, you know, it was kind of back to the drawing board a little bit for some more backup because I had deleted a lot of my, my pins yep. off just from driving around and seeing what was what in the train. And So what was the train, I mean, in a nutshell, what was the train mostly of on this property? Uh, I, water, hills, shale hills, I mean, like up and big down. hills. Yeah, I mean, 30, 40 foot up, down, you go up over one, go down into the next like one, up constant over. Hills, constant hills, like just rolling yep. all over, really, okay. And and we were in rain, too, so everything's covered in mud. It's yep. all clay. I mean, everything you walked was 50 times harder than what it normally yep. would be. Um, and thick spiders, ticks, <laughs> in insect September. infected God, never go in September. Snakes <laughs> in September, yep. Kansas sucks, in it, my opinion. Well, that's good. I mean, you guys kind of got thrown in the gauntlet right off the bat. So it was like, I only could go up from here. So, I mean, you guys go home and you're kind of tail between your legs in a way, but you're still kind of optimistic. You left a couple cameras. So, I mean, those cameras are marinating. So one thing you're thinking, hopefully they don't get stolen. It's because you're thinking like they're going to get stolen for sure. 
And the other thing is, like, hopefully there's a buck on there that I'm worth pursuing because then you're kind of putting a lot of uh, merit on those because if you don't have anything, you're, like, you get down there and you only have, you guys are only taking, like, a seven-day trip. So it's, like, you only got seven days to, and hopefully the weather holds. So you guys are leaving in September. Now, in between September and November, what were your guys's, Justin, I'll start with you, what was your, you know, what was your thought process and stuff? Were you on Onyx constantly, or was it just, I'm going to see what that camera says when I get back and just put all your chips in one basket? Yeah, it was, I, you know, I kept watching YouTube videos, trying to learn the whole public land, hanging bang, what to do, what gear to use, so on and so forth. And then also it was a little bit of, man, I wonder if anything's walking in front of my camera right now. And then it would be back to looking at Onyx maps, figuring out if I missed anything. Am I, you know, am I not looking at something that I should be looking at? (laughs) So it was just all those thoughts going through my head day after day after day. So when you get down there, now you guys are going down in November. I remember you guys were driving down and I shot my Kansas buck that night. When you get there, so you got there the night of the 15th, right? November 15th? No, we got there well. Or 14th. Sorry, yeah, we the got there like 4 in the morning on the 15th, so yeah. So you weren't going to hunt the 15th morning. The first sit was going to be the 15th night, yep. right? Okay, so you get there, and then what was your... I mean, obviously you have no stands hung. You just have some cameras, so it's like go check the cameras. Is that what your plan was? Yeah, our game plan, we had kind of talked back and forth about it going down. Um, me and Justin and another guy, Cole, left early. Um, the other guys wanted to stay for opener here. So we pulled out early, called the the place. We rented a cabin down there, called her, and she was gracious enough to let us in that night. We, you know, we more or less was like, we're going to show up at 3.30 in the morning or whatever it is. We're all going to shower. We're going to sleep for an hour. We're going to be back over on the property and scouting at daylight mm-hmm. and um and then you know from there we had our day we were going to go pull all the cameras and then try to make i mean obviously make a hunt that afternoon it was going to be pushing it but that was that was kind of the goal for the first day so obviously the foliage has changed you know it's a little colder not any rain at this point uh what was your thought process now? Like pulling up, leaves have changed, and it's like, okay, now it feels like fall. It's not, you know, is it like goosebumps again? Like, here we go, let's do this. Oh, it was a completely different, completely different thing. You know, we once we got out there, and like Justin said, the first morning we pulled out, and no morning we get out there, all of a sudden we see a buck, and then it's another buck, and it's a doe, and it's a buck chasing a doe. And, I mean, and and then it was just like, what did we get ourselves like yep. everything like is good bucks or like just um yeah i mean compared to what we're you know not not giants compared to what i know are out there but pope and young's yeah 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 you're seeing more of them out there than you do here right that's so that was the overwhelming feeling like wow there's a pope and young there there's well there's one there well we're chasing one right there like here driving around you don't see that a lot you know and you might see a couple driving around in the fall, but like there, it's like three in a matter of fifteen minutes. You're like, "Holy crap, where am I at? Am I in a dream or something?" Yeah. So that's the cool factor for me, anyway. But uh, Justin, so that morning you go out and you pull your camera, and I mean, what was the what was the <laughs> result? What was that, Justin? 
Well, we had, I don't know how many cameras exactly we had out, but we went and pulled all the cards and started checking through them. And <laughs> there were a couple that had, you know, mediocre bucks on them, but I would say. So what's a mediocre buck to you for, for Kansas standards? You know, that 100 to 120 inch deer. Okay. I yep. would say. Um, but then there were some others, you know, like Aaron's card, his card proved to be a hot spot. And it was like that one week right before we got there, he had buck after buck and sometimes the same buck multiple times. Uh, I don't know. I think it was even in the same day that they were going through the same spot. So he pretty much knew that was, it was go time for that spot. And, uh, like I was saying, a couple of the other cards, they we weren't ruling those spots out either. Either They looked uh, pretty good as well. So we had a lot of uh, optimism, and we were ready to get our stands up in the trees and start, you know, setting and seeing what we, what our luck has in store for us. So. Yep. So when you pulled your card, was that like the spot where you wanted to go? Swan's <laughs> laughing right now, so I need to know the story. I don't think I know something. <laughs> You need to you need to let the cat out of the bag. What happened? Well, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> I pulled my camera card, obviously, stuck it in the computer, and we start flipping through the pictures. And I have pictures on there, but <laughs> no deer. I'm leaves, like, leaves. Okay, obviously trees. something's triggering it, but no deer. Well, long story short, when I set up my camera going out the last night that i was there i set it so that it was too high so every once in a while i'd have a person walk by it but it was too high to get any deer uh, so, it was so you never got one deer of, on there <laughs> no so it was kind of a, a month lost of a card pull but it uh, is what it is so did you go back in there for the first night like what was your plan for the first sit uh you know i it was right back to the drawing board. <laughs> I was trying to figure out, okay, what's my next best move from here? Um, really, I just picked out another parcel that looked good, and I went out and I just sat uh, November 15th that night to kind of scout this field and see if I could come up with any kind of pattern or you know, see what kind of movement was out there. So you were more of an observation but possibly could kill kind of situation. Now, what did you, what kind of intel did you get from that night? You know, I actually, I didn't, didn't come up with anything real promising. I did have a spike horn come in and he was about, I don't know, 10 feet from me. And I got a good video on my cell phone of him, but really it didn't give me any further information than what I showed up with. Okay. So you're, I mean, first sit and you, you kind of screwed up your camera, so you're still probably optimistic and not hanging your head yet. I mean, you, you still got a week. Um, so I, I totally get that. But, Swan, so you had, you know, you had buck after buck. So what was your process? Did you go in that first night? Is that where you went right to that spot? And it was like, yep, this is where I'm going to go? No. Um, well, we, and by the time we got down there, we, you know, we watched them deer till like 10 o'clock or so. And by the time we went, way back in and pulled all four cameras and looked at them and grabbed some lunch. It was like, we got to get hunting. Yep. And, uh, so it was no, it, it was all of us hunted in spots. We didn't really plan, um, mine with, with them deer on there. I started looking at them and it was like, it was different. Cause I, I remember talking with Justin and Cole that night and it was, I was going to have to do something different than I've never done because them deer were coming in 
for that first hour before dark through that first two hour to two in daylight. And then you get this little window between 9.45 and 11-ish. And then it was like, it was during the day from there on out, it was just, I mean, it was steady, steady, but it was, it was hit or miss. You'd go, you know, you'd have a day where you'd have a couple hours, three or four hours here or there. You'd have one, just one day, just in the morning. But that week prior to us being there, it was so, I mean, it was, it was just, it was steady. So it was, I told them that night, you know, we kind of got a game plan together. Them guys were, the rest of the guys were coming in that night. And I just told him, you know, we're, I'm going back in. I'm going to just kind of scout in the morning, be ready to be walking back to the stand at 9 o'clock. By the time I get back there, that'll – So you're going yep. to scout in the morning, not going first thing. Yep. Walk in, be hanging stand, and be sitting by 9 o'clock. Well, I wanted to be hanging. I wanted to be hanging that stand by about 10. That was okay. kind of my window. Um, and sit the rest of the day. Sit the rest of the day. And it was way back in, so that was that was kind of the plan there, which is something different, you know. Another aspect of the whole thing, I've never done that. I've hunted mornings, I've hunted afternoons, I've hunted all day, but I've never went in at you know nine, ten yep. o'clock in the morning. So, but that night, you know, we we all got to see a couple deer. I actually hunted right off the edge of the road. By the time I got the guys dropped off, and I jumped a good buck, um, not I mean fifty yards off the road. Yep. Kind of kind of made my heart sink for a little bit and then it was just like they're here. They're here. So, yep. That's all you needed to know. Mm-hmm. So you, with all that activity the week prior, you know, you guys getting there, did you go back and look at any like historical wind data or weather data for that week and like why and try to get a pattern on why those bucks were moving like they were and where they were at the times they were? No. Not with these. I mean, every one of them was, it, you could tell, it was does. It, All they those. were. They but had it was this close area. to a bedding area, you felt they, like. Yep. So. There was actually pictures of a couple of them um, actually bedding there with the does. They, I mean, they were more or less sitting right over top yep. of the does in this little valley. And um, So, no, it was, there was no, I mean, I did look a little bit at it, but there was no rhyme or reason to mm-hmm. the wind. It was just they were running up and down these valleys and chasing does. Yeah, you go in there and you hunted that first. So you hunted the first night, right? You did end up getting out and yep. you kicked that buck up. Yep. So you're like, they're here. Justin, you saw us play corn. You know, going into the next day, you want to be in by ten. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Justin, you got to take a break here for a second. Just stay, hold, hold tight here. But I'm gonna get the swan. You go in the next morning, and you're gonna go back to that spot, and you want to be sitting by ten. So take us through that day and everything that happened. Well, I mean, where we were at, uh, we decided that Justin was actually going to go in and Cole both. We were all three going to go in. We took the boat back in. We took a boat down there. You're going to go deep. Yep. Um, Eight-tenths of a mile back in on the boat. Then where I was at, another 800 yards or so back in. But we were going to drop Justin off partway back in. And then me and Cole were going to go to the same spot where we dock. And he was going to head one way and I was going to go back in. But. Um, my, my thing was, you know, I packed all my stuff. I had stand and sticks. I was going to put it there. I was going to leave it there for the duration. And I was going to, that's where you're going to camp. I'm going to camp out unless something else proves different. So I, because uh, was there a buck on camera that you were like, okay, this is a good buck. There was, there was several, (laughs) but 
There was there was literally one buck, and it was the first buck that I got on camera from when we left it there in September, and it was the, I believe it was the last buck that I had on camera, and it was just like when we were going through these camera pictures, you know, we're all optimistic on what's going to be there, and I yep. remember us all looking at him like, holy shit. Yep. Like, that is a stud, heavy, horned, tall, 10. And was that the only time he was on camera, or did you have him numerous times? No, he was in there numerous times. He was the first, he was the last, and he was in there a few times in between. Um, so that was, I mean, obviously, I uh, that's I remember telling him, like, that's what I'm going to kill, you mm-hmm. know, being a smart ass. And, yep. Um, but no, I, we got in, we docked the boat at literally exactly nine o'clock after we dropped Justin off. Um, Cole headed right out. I put my stuff on and was like, I'm going to take my time. I don't want to sweat. It was still, it was getting up to 50 degrees or so there. So I, uh, I put a drag rag out and just doused it and slowly made my way back. What'd you put on the drag rig? Um, I put 200 proof on the drag rig. Uh, I've doe asterisk. Yep, had good success with that in the past. And I took it and I I just walked slow. I uh, I refreshed it three or four times on the way back. I stopped a couple times. Like I said, it was about 800 yards, and um, I stopped a couple times, just slowed down, and got back in there, pulled my camera or put my camera back up and made a mock scrape right at the base where my camera was, where them deer had been hanging out, and then obviously went up to the top of the ridge and started hanging my stand. Where you put that mock scrape, could you shoot that mock scrape? Yeah. Was it close enough to you? 22 yards. Okay. Yep. So I got up there, got everything set up to where I, you know, got real quiet, went back down to the bottom of the ridge, got my bow. I kind of took my small trips and trying to be as quiet as possible, and, uh, got all set up at about well 1006 was when I set up for the day and at this point you know I'm sweating it's it's snack time yep gonna eat yep gonna sit back and burn enough calories need to put them back in your body yeah I mean at this point I'm figuring there's not a chance I'm gonna see anything until at least two three four o'clock you know I mean just because that's the that's what your normal deer movement is um so I was I was sitting there and Honestly, I I had my long sleeve shirt on. I had my other stuff hanging there. I was trying to cool down my release, you know, rookie rookie hunter here. Didn't um, have your release on. Got my bow hanging there. Got an arrow in it, but my release is zipped up in my coat pocket, which is hanging under two other layers of clothes. And I got a, a snack that's in a Ziploc baggie. Sarah put all these Ziploc baggie or snacks in there so they were oh, quieter. That's cute. Yeah. That's yeah. cute. And uh, that's fun. I'm, I'm eating that, and I remember just kind of glancing to my left towards that mock scrape and coming right down the valley, following my drag rag. And this, mind you, this is this is only 40 minutes later. Um, is that the buck, the big one? Yep. And it's like, oh shit. Yep. Coming so right at you. Coming. I mean, he's he's you 24 don't have a release yards. On. Well, at this point, I thought it was still on my bow, but. Um, <laughs> 24 yards. I got a Ziploc baggie and a mouthful of protein snacks and so i turned around and shoved that onto my bag real quick how far was he when you first saw him from your tree 24 so he uh, he was tight he's 24 yeah you couldn't hear him coming or nothing not a not a sound it was a little bit of wind but no not not one sound if i wouldn't have happened to look over 
I'd have never known. I mean, it was oh crazy. Gosh. And from from the time that he come in to the time everything happened, I still never heard a sound. I mean, it was it was wild. <laughs> it was uh, yeah. So, um, but anyways, yeah, I go. Obviously, I throw that snack down on top of my bag, go to grab my bow, and realize there's no release. I'm like, crap. So I turn over and I look, and he's actually hitting that mock scrape. And when I made that mock scrape, I I used some VX1 and rubbed on the tree and stuff. And I'm like, all right, got it go. <laughs> Reach in the, in the coat pocket, unzip that. Which you didn't have the coat on. Nope. That's, that's hanging under two sweatshirts. <laughs> and unzip the zipper and get the release out and get it hooked on and i had smashed. which which actually helped you because you were wearing you use a a, a forefinger release a handheld yeah you don't have a strap release so if you had to have a strap release i mean that's a lot more movement you might not have got the shot off yeah yeah i mean it was it happened so quick it's it's amazing what you can do on how quick you can do it if you you really don't pay attention but um <laughs> But no, I got that out, got it hooked to my bow, and I had actually smashed my hand the week prior at work. And uh, by the time I got hooked up, he had left that mock scrape and he kept heading down towards that valley or further down the valley. And I went to draw back on him. He's at 22 yards, and I couldn't draw my bow. And I'm just like, my my hand, I just couldn't physically yep. do it. Finally, I'm like, you got to stop being a sissy. And, I mean, I yanked the bow back, and, of course, he stops. Everything's perfect, and I realize there's one little tree, and it's right where I need to shoot. I I let back in. He just stood there and stood there. And, finally, he started walking again. There's one little shot, and it was like, I got to be ready. So he got behind the tree. I drew back, and as soon as he got there, I stopped him. And he's quartering away pretty, actually more than I thought, and uh, he's halfway heading up the ridge, so he's he's 20 yards. And, I mean, at that point, it was just like, it's done deal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, let her eat, and, I mean, smoked him. He was he run up the ridge. I watched him run away, and everything set in. <laughs> never, never, I mean, I've, I've had some good nights in the tree stand, like you said, doubling up. But the state land thing, I've never felt something like that i mean my my stand never made a noise from day one since i bought it i shook so bad that that stand i'm pretty sure is ruined <laughs> i i remember sitting down and calling justin justin hasn't even got to a tree yet i remember you called me and i'm like what are you calling me for we're on our way back to michigan casey and i were yeah from kansas and i'm like what are you you're loud being loud right now and you're in a tree <laughs> 1006 i got set st- Stepped in the stand, 1048, he was dead. That's crazy. Yeah. So, Justin, I mean, you probably should switch your name to Aaron then, right? (laughs) Yeah, that day I was uh, definitely thinking that was the case (laughs) after hearing your story. And then, you know, getting that phone call, of course, after Aaron uh, Swan here. Yeah, I'm sure he had to wipe the peanut butter off of his fingers from eating that protein (laughs) snack so he could get his phone out and call me. But I was getting up into my stand and I had a missed call from Swan and I'm like, man, why is he calling me? Is he hurt or what? I mean, he better have a good reason to be calling me right now because I'm just getting into my stand and he's wanting me to make noise by talking. So I answer it and I wish I had it on recording because (laughs) it was just one of those conversations that you could never recreate. But he was just like, 
you know, tremble in his voice and all. He's like, man, I just hit a hammer. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> he's like, I swear to God. I'm like, was it the 10 point? And he's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So now here I am thinking, you know, I'm ready to sit down and hunt for the day, but I can't wait to get out of my stand right, and go see this right. deer. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, you should really go down to, you know, the state building or whatever and change your name. You could either go A-A-R-O-N or A-R-R-O-N because... <laughs> he's more of an E-R-I-N. Yeah, guy. I think he's more like E-R-I-N. <laughs> you could do that. I mean, I mean, the day before that, I was only in the stand six minutes in Kansas, and that's all I... So really, between him and I, we've only sat not even an hour in Kansas. We've killed two good bucks, so... <laughs> You know, yeah, it definitely crossed my mind to, <laughs> to run down and change my name quick. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, that's good. I mean, I really want to get in the nitty gritty of you know your track and everything, but I mean, really wasn't much to it, right? I mean, no, it it was pretty. I mean, I went out on my own. Them guys, you know, well, you're limited with time. And Justin asked me numerous times, you you know, you want me to come over there, and it's like, no, dude, stay in the tree. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I obviously I wanted everybody to come out there, right. and, but. I know how limited everybody is and um no it was you know I called you I called him I called everybody cuz it, it somehow I knew I smoked him when I called you the first time I was like I I smoked him he was quartering away I I mean I know it's a little back but he was quartering away hard but I my the conversation I remember is you're you didn't think he was quartering that hard no at, no at, I at didn't at the initial shot but I knew he was quartering yep but by the time I had you know two hours in i'm like this deer was quartering to me yeah he was i completely shot him in the guts and blew <laughs> out the back hind quarter i mean so i had myself all worked up and i it, it literally i mean i feel goofy saying this but i got down for the second or third time couldn't find no blood i thought i blew through him which couldn't i didn't find not. the arrow no i found blood on impact i had blood for like the first 10 feet and I never went any further than that at that point. And I finally got back down, and I literally got down on all fours where I knew the deer was standing. And I remember looking back up at the stand, and then it hit me. It was like I knew this was the way the deer was standing, and I looked up at the stand, and I'm like, I'm projecting this angle in my mind. I'm like, I'm going after him. I mean, mm -hmm. he's dead. Yeah. And it was it was hit or miss. I slowly, you know, I had arrow knocked uh, real slow. He ended up going 230 some yards and i mean did you find him by yourself first yep. you did yep um in the daylight he was i shoot i waited till like three o'clock three thirty four o'clock or something went after him finally come up on him and he had been i mean you could tell he had been dead from he ran there and died. yeah he i mean he went in went in never clipped the uh guts went in clipped the liver the lungs i mean it was just a it was a perfect shot. Yep. It was just them deer strong. They ran, they run. Um, and then from there it was, yeah, I was on to celebrating. Yep. So did you get the age back on him yet? No. End of April. End of April. Yep. And what do you end up scoring? 158 and four eights. Great, great deer. I mean, it doesn't matter public or, I mean, public is a great deer. Private is a great deer too. I mean, that's Absolutely. an awesome deer. And he is really cool deer, chocolate rack. Like, he's really dark. He's awesome. Yep. Well, cool. Now you're camp bitch, so yep. you you are, you are can just sit there and drink another Bud Light, and Justin and I will talk here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Justin, I mean, he kicked it, kicked, the, kicked it off good for the whole group. So that night, 
I mean, what was your what what did you end up seeing? I mean, you're probably sitting in the tree just wanting to get down, but what uh how did your uh night end up transpiring? Actually, I sat there the rest of the day and I had a totally different hunt. Um I was kind of sitting on the edge of a riverbank, uh but it was the same type of terrain Aaron was in. Um and I I look over my shoulder and there's a guy literally walking right down the middle of this this river. And I'm like crap i am in the wrong spot you know there we knew that there was kind of some pressure in the area but i at that point knew that other people knew of this area too i guess so it was a little bit different um i ended up getting down at dark and they were gonna pick me back up where they dropped me off with the boat and so that was the plan i met them back there i got you so you didn't i mean you just ended up getting down didn't see any deer probably or if you did probably nothing even worth writing home about. So went and celebrated, and I'm sure the, all those, you know, the rest of the guys, the rest of the group were kind of coming down, and, you know, they hunted opening day of rifle season here. So um, what was your thought process going into the next morning? I mean, were you like, I want to get in there before daylight to set up my stand in this new area, where, or was it like get up, walk in a new area kind of with a stand on your back and, and scout, but then – you know, find a spot to hunt for the rest of the day. Yeah. So I was the same way as Aaron on that first day there. We, I took a set stand in and hung it up too. And that was kind of my game plan is, all right, let's let this area cool down a little bit. I'm going to go to a different area in the morning and see what kind of sign I can come up with. And a couple of those other areas that I had picked out. So obviously Swan gets the, the trip kicked off. Good. You know, first night in, first 40 minutes kills a great buck the other group they come in they meet you at the boat launch and you guys celebrate that night so going into day two for you what was your plan of attack I mean you said you had guys walking underneath you your camera you didn't have anything on that so you're probably trying to find more intel so what was your plan going for that second day yeah so uh we we dropped Austin off he got eyes on a pretty good buck and was going to go after him so we dropped him off, and then I was just going to drive around that day and try to get more intel. So get more intel just from the truck from a distance, just kind of observation. And then obviously, I mean, you were probably going to try to get in somewhere that night. Now, how did Austin's spot and stock go? Did that, you know, did he end up fruitful or was it just kind of, you know, how'd that end up? And was that a spot that you were worth, you know, kind of wanted to pursue? Yeah, it was, I mean, he got close. Uh, depends on how you want to measure the uh, the achievement or the success there, but he was close on a, a very mature buck, and um, he didn't actually get to pull the trigger, but it was very encouraging, and, you know, I just wanted to try to focus on that same area because we knew there was a good one in, in there. So what was his plan then? What, what made him go out of that area, or was he staying in that area for that evening sit? You know, I think he kind of veered away from that area because – after getting within 50 yards of the buck, it kind of busted out of there. So he was kind of changing gears and had another spot in mind. So he was going to focus on that other spot. Okay. So he was probably thinking, nah, he's blown out of the country, you know, and I was in here leaving scent down. So why would I come back in here? But now you're thinking like, let's get in there. Now, did you sit that night then when the night of when he spot and stalked that deer? Yeah, yep. I ended up sitting that night, but again, I didn't have any, didn't have any luck, didn't get any further information, but was still pretty optimistic about the spot. And then Austin ended up killing that night, right? 
Yeah, he ended up going to that other spot that he had in mind and shot a very nice 13-point, actually. I think it was about 138 138 inches, so it ended up being a good day for him. Yeah, so, I mean, you, geez, oh, Pete, you guys go down there, and Swan knocks one down the first set, and then Austin goes in there, has a has a spot and salt, gets close, and then kills one. So what are you thinking? Like, what the heck do I got to do? Do I got to change my name to something with an A that starts with an A, or what? I mean, <laughs> What's your deal? <laughs> I was not rolling out anything. I was up for whatever was going to get me close to a buck. I mean, whatever <laughs> it took at this point. I mean, you start getting that the pressure, the weight on your shoulders of man, I got to make something happen here. Yep, you definitely do because it's it's not an only it's not only an internal battle with yourself, but you know our the group of guys that are with you is you know. I'm friends with all those guys. We're all close friends and everything. And I, I, I know the hazing and the razzing that goes on at deer camp. So I, I can only imagine what deer camp's like right then. So so that day goes through it, and you really haven't seen many deer. I mean, you haven't really even seen any fur in Kansas. So I, you're thinking probably, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah, exactly. You know, you start you start playing mind games with yourself and getting down and out, and it's like, what could I possibly be doing wrong or what do I need to do different or what can we, what can we do here? Well, it's hard too, because Justin was with us several times in the truck. I mean, when we're driving around, we're seeing deer on their feet. Because you're, you're driving people to their spots. Yeah. You tagged out. So you're driving people on your chauffeur. I'm done. I'm, I'm still blowing in the low twos the next day, you know, (laughs) being tagged out, but off of happiness, not alcohol or anything. Um, but no, I mean, when you're seeing all them deer, it makes it even more, I, I you know, I can say that because I was tagged out, but I know how that goes. When you see them deer driving around and you're not seeing yep. them in the stand, it's like, what am I doing wrong? And you are and you are probably thinking, I just want to get these guys on deer. Like, I just want Absolutely. them to get opportunities. Yeah. So Austin ends up killing. So now you and Austin are the chauffeurs. Yep. So going into day three, now Eddie was with you, Pat and Cole. What were those guys seeing? Um, Eddie was, Eddie was kind of on some, the same day as the spot and stalk, I believe kind of in the same, uh, Teelan, Eddie and, um, Austin were all in that same spot. They were seeing deer. Cole and Cook were kind of on a struggle on a different side. Um, they had now, they had some on camera, their game. They finally like day two, I think is when their game kind of started changing and their spots started changing, but you know. Justin and them guys kind of stuck to that same spot where it was a, it was a regular yep on seeing deer. Yep. So day three, Justin, you haven't seen a lot of deer. You're still back to the drawing board. And are you sticking with that spot where Austin had the spot in stock? Or are you like, man, what do I got to do? Where am I going? So what, what what's your thought process in there? Yeah, it was the same general area as where Austin had that spot in stock, but a little further away, I'd say, um, I went back to the maps and I found a spot where there was a private bean field to the north and there was bedding to the south south of that bean field. But then to the to the east, there was a, a pond. So, again, you had this pinch point where these deer would have to go around the edge of that pond if, and stay just tucked into the woods if they didn't want to go out into that field. So that was my target spot. That's where I was going the next morning. So the the private bean field was that standing beans or cut beans already? It was actually standing beans at that point. Okay, so were you hoping that deer are going to be coming around that pond and kind of filtering through to go to those beans in the evening, or 
Um, or were you trying to hunt like where you think the does were yarding up and hopefully bucks were going to be cruising to, to check? Yeah, my, my intent there was to find a buck that's cruising the edge of that pond and checking the downwind side of that bedding. Okay, so and w- w- how'd that day end up for you, that day three? Uh, well, I had, <laughs> I had my mobile set up with me at this point, and I'm hanging it, and it's like right at, you know, right at daybreak, I look out into this bean field, and there's a buck, and it's a nice buck, and he's locked down on a doe. But again, he's on the private side, and he's roughly three, 400 yards away from me. So when you see that, what's going through your head? I got to hang this, or I need to move down you know, on the publics closer to these deer and try to cut them off, or are you trying to figure out where this doe is going to end up going? Yeah, there was a finger of woods that stuck out. It was connected to the body of public land or the woods on the public side, but it stuck out into the private side. So I'm thinking, okay, if this doe is going to go somewhere, she's probably going to go into that cover and likely trickle back onto this public land. And so I aborted the stand, I got down, and I started to make my way toward that finger on the public side, but slow and easy and just kind of kind of kept my visual with the the bean field but tucked into the woods enough to where the deer wouldn't see me yep and that was my game plan i just i worked real slow through the woods and you know i get probably 200 yards to the west of where i had my stand set up and i'm now directly directly straight out from these deer how far do you, you think know, you're from these deer I would say probably again, two to 300 yards, but you know, it's, it's a straight line from, from me to them. And so you're sitting in that, you're sitting in that finger that's going into private then. So is that where you're at? No, I, I actually didn't make it to that finger. I was just literally on the edge of the field, but it was like a little ravine, a little contour in the land where I don't know if it was just kind of like a little waterway or what, but it was just a little dip is the best way that I can explain it. So do you, was that kind of like the lowest spot in the field? Yeah. Yep. And I, you know, once I got to that spot, I was thinking, okay, if those deer are going to work their way toward this public, they're probably going to stay in this little low spot in the field. And for whatever reason, I just couldn't walk beyond that point to continue on to my plan of getting closer toward that finger where it dumped into the public. Well, and it's hard. It's 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 hard to get away from a low spot too, because the deer usually enter and exit the field through, you know, could be the lowest spot in the field usually, you know. So I, I yeah. definitely get where you're, where you're thinking there. And if you're in a straight line from to them, like I would have probably done the same thing. Like I'm just gonna hunker down here, and and see what happens. So what was that buck doing? I mean, was he just dogging her and and not letting her get anywhere around? You know, was she trying to get away from him, or what, what was what was that situation looking like? Well, she was just feeding on the beans and he was just tending her. He wasn't pushing her much. Um, He was just kind of hanging by her side and, you know, kind of mirror imaging every move that she made. So you get in a position now, are you like just hunkering behind a tree or a deadfall? Or were you like, I I should probably try to hang a stand? Like what was your, your, uh, your process there? Well, you know, I was looking around and there wasn't really any good spot hiding spot i'm kind of like in the open of this little clearing in this woods and 
so I'm just trying to come up with a game plan and I'm keeping my eye on the deer and just trying to not to make too much movement, but get a feel of what these deer are actually going to do. And what did they, I mean, how long did you end up staying there and what, you know, what did they end up, what the deer end up doing? Well, I, I probably sat there for 10 to 15 minutes, just literally glassing these deer, trying to figure out, okay, what are they going to do? And I'm watching them and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, this doe just takes off running away from this buck and she's running right at me. <laughs> and, I, and again, I'm in this opening and I'm like, crap, what do I do? So I take a couple steps and I'm just kind of tucked up on the edge of a tree and I'm watching these deer running right at me and I kind of lose sight of them and I can hear them still running through the standing bean field. So I know that they're getting closer and as they're coming straight toward me, the buck cuts to my right and the doe goes to the left. And I'm like, this is perfect. I couldn't draw this up any better. If this buck is going to go toward that doe, he's got to cross right in front of me. But there's a, like a little drop down from the public into that private field to where I can't see the deer anymore because they're kind of down behind this little knoll. And so I'm just kind of, you know, watching from side to side and I can't hear anything anymore. And all of a sudden I look up and eight yards straight in front of me, tucked behind this little pin oak is a rack sticking out from behind this this tree eight yards and all i can see eight yards and all i can see is his breath coming out from the side <laughs> of this tree and i'm like crap so i i slowly pull back and i pulled back too soon the deer or the buck he stood there and stood there and stood there and i don't know if he lost that doe and he was trying to figure out where she went or if he kind of caught a whiff of me and he was trying to figure out what was going on where where was, was the wind at? what way was the wind blowing the wind was blowing from the from the west so i didn't i didn't have any conflict there it was kind of blowing perpendicular to us okay so i'm drawn back and waiting for this buck to take a move i need him to take one step and i'd have a, a good shot well, he goes to take a step, and I swear it was like a half a step. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, in the moment, I I thought I had a good shot, and I put it right on him. But at eight yards, when you're looking at a deer, all you see in your sight is brown. Yep. <laughs> so I come down on him, and I think I got it lined up perfect, and I let it fly, and I drilled him. And I thought, you know, okay, that was a good shot. He takes off running. And <laughs> I'm like, what just happened? I've never had anything like that happen in my <laughs> entire life. I've never, ever been that close to a deer, yep. <laughs> you know, it, on the ground like that. And so I'm just, you know, dumbfounded trying to figure out, okay, what just happened? So, I mean, what did happen? What, what, take us through the rest of the, the day. I mean, finding yeah, blood, so finding from, him, like, what's the deal? What happened? Yep. From there, I, I immediately go up to the the point of impact and I start looking for blood and I'm looking for my arrow and I'm not seeing anything. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to back out of here. I'm going to get the guys. We'll come back in and we'll track this deer. So I walk back out to the road and I have him pick me up. And as I'm loading up my, my bow, a truck comes up on us and it just so happens to be a guy with a tracking dog. And he's from the state of Michigan. And 
he starts talking to us and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm down here for about three, four weeks. If you need me at all, I'm in the area. So here's my card. Give me a call if you need me. And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> you know, I actually shot one this morning. Yeah. We haven't really looked for it yet, but uh, we might need you. And he's like, yeah, that's not a problem. Just give me a call. So we gather up the guys couple hours later and we go back in there and we're looking for blood and we get right on the blood trail we're tracking him we find the arrow and it's great blood uh we track him for probably two 250 yards you know just good solid blood and he got into this little thicket and kind of did a circle and we lost track of him couldn't come up on his on his blood trail again so from that point you know, I'm like, what do I have to do? Change your so name. That's what you need up, to do. <laughs> yeah, I need, I need to change my name. That's what it boils down to. <laughs> so we back out. We call the guy with the dog. And a couple hours later, we get him in there. And we track him to the same spot that we lost him. And the dog lost him. So at this point, I'm, I'm down and out. You know, I don't know, don't know what to do. Where do you think you hit him? After playing it back in my mind, I think I hit him, you know, maybe in front of the broadside shoulder and potentially hit the offside shoulder. Like a brisket shot, like right in the... Yeah, like right in front of the, the shoulder, brisket area, and in front of the lungs is, is our best guess. I gotcha. Do you think, I mean, do you think it was fatal or do you think he just, he's out there running around? I, I think he's still out there running around, honestly. I mean, he lost some blood, but it sealed up. And after playing it back, I, I don't think I hit the vitals. You know, I think you see a lot of deer that get hit and survive through stuff that's, you know, shots that are worse than that, I would say. Did he ever bed down or anything? Nope. He was just on a solid run and, and never bedded down. Hmm. Crazy. So, I mean, okay, let, let's look at the grand scheme of thing here, things here. We've been, you know, you've been here for three days. Two of you have killed. Three of you, uh, so you're three of you had opportunities. Um, so I mean, you're 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 at almost fifty percent. You're only three days in now. So six Michigan guys that went down to Kansas in public land, never been there before. Well, I mean, you went there in September to scout it, but you know, first ever out of state public land hunt, and you're basically fifty percent. If you would have made a better shot or change your name to Aaron or something. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you guys, you're down and out, obviously, but you guys as a camp as a whole got to be thinking, like, not that, that this is easy, but this is, like, this is fun. I mean, this is what we came down here to do. Like, and you've got a lot of time left. you got four or five more days left. It was already a successful trip at that. You know, we told ourselves going down, if we could kill, if we could walk out of there 50% on public ground, Michigan boys going to Kansas, it was going to be a success. Yep. I mean, you know, and it's easy for someone to say coming from one of the guys that killed a deer, but at the end of the day, I would have been completely content with seeing four other guys walk away with yep. it. I mean, it was a successful hunt at that yep. point already. So three days into this, you're down and probably out almost now because you're just bumming. Um, can't find this deer. Would have been your best buck ever. You know, sat this deer out on the ground eight yards. <laughs> I mean, what could go wrong is going wrong for you right now. What is your thought process? What's going through your head? I mean, what demons are up there and what 
well, how are you trying to get over this and and get back up on the on the horse and keep going? Like what what's you, what's going through your head? You know, <laughs> there was a lot going through my head. Uh, again, it was what do I need to do different? Where can I go from here? Um, but also, I had a sense of of pride that I was able to have an encounter with a mature buck in Kansas on public land. Yeah, I didn't didn't go home with the deer, but I I remember telling the guys that I felt like I was successful just by being able to do that. And from there, it was just telling myself, okay, you're not going to get stuck in a rut. You're going to get back out there and you're going to keep grinding. You've waited so many months to get down here and do this. Now is your chance. Let's go. And, and so that's what it, what it was, you know, it was go to the next spot, grind them out and, and see what we can come up with. And, so that next day, Aaron and Austin, they went back to the spot where I had hung that set stand the first day. And I also hung a camera while I was in there that day. And they went and pulled the ca- the card and took it back to camp and checked it. And wouldn't you know it, <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple nice bucks that had been through there in daylight hours while I was out tromping around the rest of the state land <laughs> or public land, you know, and, um, so it, that was another sense of, all right, we're back onto something. Let's uh, let's make a game plan, and I'll get back in there and and try to set it out and see what happens. Is that the stand that you saw the guy walking through the river on? Yes. Yep. Okay. So seeing that guy walk through the river, now I think a lot of people probably that hunt public or you know just hunt in general that had a had a moment like that. Like coming from Michigan, I would I would have had the the thought process like, man. You know, we think like if we spook a big buck, he's gone. You'll never see him again. You know, this guy's got his scent in here. I've got my scent in here. So it's like automatically it's hard to not get your brain to think like it's okay. Like let's let's just ride it out and see what happens. So with that guy coming through there, was that like, man, th- this spot's not going to be good anymore. Like I need to move on. Was that kind of how you were thinking? Yeah, you know, that's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, you know, I just thought because of him being in there and, and like you said, me being in there and spreading our scent around that, you know, no mature buck would possibly come back in there after that point. But, it, you know, the camera said otherwise. So ultimately, I mean, knowing that now in hindsight, like, is that something that, like, if that ever, you know, that situation did pass you again, would you kind of step back and think now like okay maybe this might actually happen or would you think it'd be something that was the same thing like i need to get out of here you know at this point um knowing what i've learned from kansas i wouldn't rule it out like i did i would go back in there and and continue trying but again we didn't really know much about that area other than what we had heard yep through you know aaron's connection there. yep gotcha okay so Austin and Swan go in there and you've got a couple good bucks on camera. So you're thinking, got to get back in there. I'm going to, were you thinking I'm going to sit this stand the rest of the time and whatever happens happens or, uh, sit here, kind of observe and move if I need to. Well, my plan was I was going to go in there. I'm going to get in there early and I'm going to sit there all day. I'm going to get in before, well before light and I'm going to just ride it out and see what happens that day. And, so that was the game plan going in there. So what 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 did happen that day? Well, that would have been day five. 
Yeah, correct. Yep. So I go in there, I get in there early, like I said, and I'm sitting well before daylight and I'm just waiting, waiting and waiting. Finally, the sun starts to come up. A beautiful morning. Uh, I had a an eight point come through that was, you know, about a hundred inch eight point. So it was encouraging, you know, the deer back in here. And so I, you know, just took a short cell phone clip of him <laughs> going by and just kind of kept setting it out. And about an, an hour later, uh, I had a doe directly behind me on that riverbank and I looked behind her and there is a buck, you know, he's, he's right on her tail and they kind of work, work around me. And again, this is like little ravines and ridges. So I'm on one ridge and directly across from me is another ridge. Well, these, this doe and this buck kind of come up from my left and they're down in this ravine and they start working up this hillside directly across from me. And it was 25 yards. eye level across this little valley is this buck that, you know, at the time I'm like, all right, that's about 125 inch buck. I'm, I'm pulling the trigger on this deer. So a little gun shy, I pull back and I make sure, you know, I wait for that right shot and I let an arrow fly. And I'm like, no way, <laughs> you know, here I am. Now I've had two opportunities and it looked like a good shot. I'm thinking, okay, this, this is actually going to, going to pan out this time. So he, okay, let's, let's run back here. He came in on a doe. Is that what, is that what you said? Yeah. Yep. He kind of came from behind me from that uh, riverbank and worked around my left side down through this valley and started working up the ridge directly across from me. Okay. So when you initially saw this buck, was it like heart immediately pumping or was this like, I need a redemption, like redemption buck, or, you know, you knew immediately that you wanted to take this buck. When I looked at him, I was like, ah, am I going to pass another buck today? You know? <laughs> and I looked at him again and I'm like, Oh, he's, he's a little better than what I originally thought. So I'm like, okay, yep. This is redemption time. Yep. And then he, that doe just brought him by now. Was he chasing her? Was it like a, or was he kind of like tending? Like you knew she was hot, but he wasn't going to let her, let her go. Yeah, she, she was definitely hot. She wasn't moving through at a a fast pace, but she was just kind of, you know, a steady walk. Yep. And he was keeping his distance right behind her and following her every move. So then he came in, you pulled back, shot him. What was your thought on the shot placement? You know, I thought it was a little back. I was second guessing myself again. It looked because he was quartering away so hard. It looked like I might've hit him in the hind quarter. I wasn't really sure, you know, just so many doubts running through my head, (laughs) of course. And so I get down and I check for blood after about an hour and I had pretty good blood. So I'm like, all right, you know, I'm going to, track this a little ways up over the top of this ridge and see what it looks like, you know, another 30, 40 yards here. And as I'm tracking him, the blood just got better and better. And I crested over the top of that ridge and he was laying in the valley on the other side. Oh my gosh. So he didn't even go that far. No, I think he went 60, 70 yards. That's unbelievable. So, I mean, when you see a white belly, you're thinking, wow, like, this just happened. You know, your guys are, this was day five, right? Yeah. Yep. Day five, right, Aaron? Yeah. 
Yes. So it was day five. So, I mean, <laughs> one after another, you guys have almost killed a buck every day that you've been there. So <laughs> are you thinking something along the lines of like, this is too easy or I'm just glad that this, you know, I, I made this happen, you know, got back up on the horse and, and, you know, kept grinding and, and now I've, I've accomplished what I wanted to come here and accomplish. It was a huge sense of pride and accomplishment and just success. Like, uh, you know, it finally happened. I put in the effort and, and it happened for us. And of course, you know, you start thinking, are we just lucky? And I'm thinking, you know, I no longer have to change my name to Aaron. This is great. <laughs> it is a good name though. I don't know why you wouldn't want to. I mean, the Aaron's did knock down a couple pretty good bucks this year. <laughs> so, I mean, you walked up on them and, and what were you thinking? I mean, were you still excited when you walked up on them or was it like a letdown? Oh yeah, <laughs> it was, no, it, it was pure excitement. You know, I was just, super happy to finally make it happen and was going to be able to call the guys and tell them I need their help dragging them out finally, because I had helped every one of the previous guys drag theirs out. So it was a little, it was time for a little bit of payback. Yep. <laughs> so explain that dear a little bit. Uh, you know, what was he, you know, how big was he? How old do you think he was? Like, you know, what was he? Yeah, he was, uh, he was a straight nine point. Um, I don't think he was super mature. I'm guessing he was probably two and a half, two and a half year old. Um, he went about 114, and I was I was happy with him. You know, his brow times were a little bit shorter. I think he probably, if we're talking inches here, he, he lost some there. But overall, yeah. it was one of the better bucks that I've shot, and I was happy. I, I guess what I what I say when I when I ask that, what I mean is like that's that's cool that you still, you know can have excitement for a deer that's like I don't even want to say a lesser deer like I feel like you know in the social media world and even in some inner circles like I say it a lot on here too like you're only accepted if you kill big deer and that's so far from the truth like I hate that you know you were super excited about that deer and and I know you've got some backlash from that deer um like why would you go to Kansas to shoot that deer you know, screw, screw them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like nobody knows, you know, what you're going through or the situation you were in. And the reason why I say that is because I, I went through and I'm still kind of going through some backlash right now, not every day, but like, and I've said it on here before, like the Kansas buck I killed this year wasn't the biggest deer. You know, if he cracked 120, I'd be, I'd be surprised, but people are giving me crap about shooting the deer I did before in Iowa and seven days later going and shooting this deer. And it's like, what are you doing that for? But I'm like, no, it's, you don't even understand like that deer. I'm just as excited about that deer as I was the Iowa deer that was twice as big, you know? So I'm excited to hear you say that you, that still like gets you excited. And, you know, a lot of people just don't realize, you know, the situation that you're in or the thought process you have or, you know, the excitement that that gives you. I mean, you spent a lot of money on that trip. I, I shouldn't say a lot, but you spent money on that trip. You're taking time off of work and everything. And this is something you wanted to do, and this was your goal, and you achieved your goal. So I commend you for that. I mean, that's that's good. I, I like that. And I don't know, Swan, you wanted to say something? Well, I mean, with just, you know, obviously I've been I've, I've been kind of the, the taxi driver in the camp 
well, I was only camp bitch for a day and the Austin killed, but um these boys grinded it out. Teelan put on some miles. I mean it was it was not due to but you see this deer and I will be the first to tell you that it is bigger on the hoof and bigger in person than score. I mean as soon as you see it it's like it's a it's a it's a damn good deer, period. Yep. And it was my first out of state deer or out of, you know, out of state deer. I mean, I would compare it to like my first buck in Michigan. It was just, that's the kind of pride or the, the success that I felt. Yep. Well, and the success, 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 the success (laughs) doesn't stop there. I mean, was it two days later? So, so now you guys are, now you guys are three for six. No. Yes. Three for six. You're 50% now. So there's your, your group goal. But one day later, Eddie kills. Eddie and, killed a hog, man. And I, I want to get into this because you, <laughs> was it the day before? The day before, you killed this buck. So I don't know the whole story about this. I just know the Cliff Notes version, so you have to give it to me. Before you killed this nine point, you had this buck within range and you didn't know it, right? <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, <laughs> it was that first night. <laughs> it was day four. It was day the four. Camera. The night of day okay, four. Okay, so it was the night before you killed the nine point. Then no, I'm no. It was the first day when Aaron killed his yes. buck, and I was okay. setting this stand. Yep. Okay, I sat that stand the rest of that night. It was the same day that I saw that guy walking down the river. Yes. Okay, yep. so run us through that. So Eddie kills a buck <laughs> on day five, right? An absolute yep. freak of a deer. Yeah, a, a great deer. Eddie Smith kills a, a hog. But this deer that he kills, you had. <laughs> How far from you in the stand, and your your trail cam caught it, but you didn't know it was there, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> essentially what happened. <laughs> 60 yards down this, this valley from me, I set up my camera, and I'll be danged if a doe didn't come through. I had saw that doe, but I never saw the buck for whatever reason. <laughs> Um, I don't know if he cut up, <laughs> cut up the ravine and was in the thick stuff and I just couldn't see him. Uh, my other excuse here is that when the sun was going down over those ridges, it cast shadows into the, those valleys. So I don't know if it was just dark down in that area where I couldn't see him. I don't know what the story was or how you it sleeping? played out because no, I wasn't sleeping. <laughs> Mind you, when you see this picture, you know, these movies where it shows like a pot of gold and the sun's yep. just blaring yep. off i'll it. post the picture that's on what this media. deer looks like yep. in this picture i mean it is broad daylight we didn't check this camera till the last day when we pulled yep. it and we all go through it and it's just like teeling <laughs> you know like what <laughs> oh man i'll have to post the picture on social media so everybody that's listening i'll post it on there so you can see it but eddie's deer let's get to eddie's deer for a hot second his deer is a freak of a deer yeah it was uh i think his ended up going one 34 something like that but he he had all kinds of weird stuff going on how many scoreable did he have nine 12 12 it was a 12 yeah he had junk everywhere but it was we ended up counting 12 of them how old do you think that deer was ah honestly i don't know it i mean this deer just looked like an old warrior and what he went through makes me believe it i don't i would have to say honestly i don't know i if I, if I had to put an age on it, I would say four and a half or five and a half years old on this deer. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I want to get Eddie on here to talk about that too because he had probably 
one of the cooler trips, like out amongst all you guys that the story that I've got, like he, you know, that's just kind of out of El- Eddie's realm. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I want to get his side of the story on that, but yeah. So you guys ended up four for six and then Cole and, and Pat, they, uh, they weren't the lucky ones this trip. No, but you know, at the end of the day, Cole seen, Cole seen a good deer. He had one real close, just couldn't make it couldn't make it happen and that's i mean that's the part of hunting he rattled in a good one um everybody put in the time the miles it was just you know we were the we were the lucky four cole was the lucky one when we went to colorado you yep. know he walked out with an elk yep. and a mule deer and so i mean i we we all looked at it as paybacks a bitch but <laughs> but no at the end of the day period public ground we went four for six in a week it yep and you had some rain a couple of days too, right? So you get you guys actually missed a couple of days of hunting. It rained on those two, the last two days. I mean, yeah. nonstop. It was it was brutal weather. So Justin, I'll ask you first, and Swan, I'll get your opinion after this. But uh, the week that you guys went down there, would you go down again that week, or would you try a different week if you were going to do it again? Yeah, in my opinion, I would go back starting November 15th. And I only say that because I'm really not a huge fan of uh, rifle season in Michigan. So I I like to use that week for archery season. Um, That would be the reason that I would go back. Uh, The deer, the bucks, they they were kind of in that lockdown phase throughout part of the week when we were there. I think if you went the week before, you could probably see more bucks in that chasing phase, you know, the early rut, pre-rut area. But either way, I don't think you could go, go wrong if you went the week before we went or the week of. I mean, it's you want to be down there during the rut. Yep. Swan, what's your take on it? I think you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, we, me, Justin, and Cole ran into the DNR the first day we got there going to pull cameras. And he said that we hit it right just due to the fact of there was a lot less people. Um, so with us going four for six, seeing the amount of deer we seen and, and well, me and Austin getting you, to see. You and Austin saw how many bucks driving around? Was over it? over 100. All yeah. week, guaranteed. What was the I biggest mean, buck you think you saw? I think I was on the phone with you. Yep. Um, and that was the day Teelan hit the one. We never found it. And we scouted that night. And there was not a chance this deer was under 180 yeah i mean i've never i've never laid eyes on a deer like that in outside of a ranch i mean i've seen some good deer but this deer was it was incredible and they're they're there i mean they were they were all over the place and of course you know i got to do a i put on a lot of miles just driving around looking and so did austin um and a lot of them were in kind of a lockdown, but a lot of them were chasing too. And yep. it was, I don't think we could have really hit it any better. I mean, yeah, you could have went in a week earlier and seen a little more chasing, but when you ain't got to deal with the people, um, I mean, that's, yeah. to me, that's where our success. Well, and that time of the year too is kind of a, yeah, it's still the rut, but probably a lot of the locals that hunt that public ground are probably thinking this is like, uh, and you guys were there during the week though, right? 
you're yeah. there during the week. So a lot of guys probably aren't hunting during the week, but a lot of guys are probably thinking too, it's kind of an unorthodox, even out of state guys probably aren't going to go down there on the 15th of November. They want to be there November 1st through mm-hmm. the, the 7th. So, you know, where, where our, where our property is, I mean, not only in just about an hour away from you guys where we've been hunting the last four years, we've experienced the same thing. Like, from November 15th till Thanksgiving, it's peak rut, peak rut in that area. Like Casey and I this year, we killed two bucks, two great bucks on November 14th. The day you guys were driving down there, that was the most rut activity in one day that we've seen in the last three years in that part of Kansas. The bucks chasing does everywhere, snort wheezing, fighting. It was unbelievable. It was like it was kicked on one day. And, you know, we hunted, we hunted, uh, we got back from Iowa on the 10th we hunted 11 12 13 14 came home on the 15th but um 11 12 11 and 12 weren't very good days 13 14 on fire for us and then we didn't obviously hunt after that because we were tagged out but i think you guys hit it perfect honestly yeah i mean the day i killed mine i seen five bucks and i seen one after i shot mine that was an 11.8 yards come up behind the hill behind me and if he wasn't bigger, he was right Close. there. I mean, and every one of them were dog and does. It's just, yep. I think it depends on the spot. I think it depends on the day, the weather. I mean, at the end of the day, we we come out pretty successful. Yep. So, Justin, just to kind of wrap this whole thing up, I mean, you guys, four for six on a six to seven day hunt, first DIY public hunt, whitetail out of state. I mean, how do you rate it? Like, what what's your thought process now? I mean, I know I've talked to you guys before you went out of state before and kind of tell you, like, hey, like, this is this is something different. Like, you need to do this. Like, what's your thought process, process now if you were to tell somebody that had asked you, like, should I go out of state? Uh, you know, I would say absolutely do it. If you can make it happen, go do it because you will not regret it. It's If you come back with a buck or not, it's, it's going to be a great experience regardless. Now, I, I I get the question a lot too, like because I hunt quite a bit of out of state. So everybody's like, "How do you still hunt Michigan? Like how like, you know, why do you hunt Michigan?" And and I always tell them the same thing. Like I'll never stop hunting Michigan. I love hunting Michigan. I probably love hunting Michigan more than I like hunting out of state. And it's just the challenge of it, um, you know, and killing a buck here that's you know a three-year-old or a four-year-old or five-year-old that's 120 is like killing a 180 in Iowa. To me, it is. like, And I hope I never lose that feeling. Um, so if, if a person was to ask you that, what would be your response? Like, why would you why would you hunt Michigan again? It, for that exact same reason. You know, when you see that, that three-year-old buck on the hoof in Michigan, you start getting the shakes. And <laughs> if you don't get the shakes, um, you've lost it. You know, it's, it's, kind of uh situational awareness a little bit you know hunting the top 10 percent of the bucks in your area when you see those bucks that's what's doing it for me still in michigan yep i agree swan what's your take on it like out of state like uh you know same question what uh what's your thought process on it and you know i mean you came away with the best deer out of the group so obviously it's probably going to be like, oh, for sure I'm going to do it. But like, no, I would, I would 100% recommend it. Um, I mean, just, you know, I look at it as everything. I went to Colorado last year after an elk and a mule deer. I walked out being too picky, um, and had a tag sandwich, but 
I did this year for Kansas because it was it was a blast. I mean, but then you go in and you be successful. Um, the first trip is definitely going to be your most because you know you have certain costs into it that you got to buy for that. And then after that, it's it is really not that bad if you be smart about it. Um, and the success is definitely there, but you got to put your time in. It's it's not going to come easy. I mean, we we got lucky in it and almost made it look or seem easy, but. Um, with what we're compared to used to hunting is, I mean, it's a different ball game out there. Yep. The deer are different, but as far as hunting here, this is my home state. Um, I'll never lose that. I honestly, after seeing it out there, I do firmly believe that deer are easier to kill out there. I mean, they're, they're not as aware. They're not as knowledged as our deer here. And I've killed a couple really good Michigan bucks, but at the end of the day, a 120 here gets me excited. Yeah. I, I mean, it is what it is. And, um, I'll, I don't think, I don't think there's any way of ever losing that excitement of hunting here. I agree with you hundred percent. So for anybody listening to this, that wants to do an out of state trip, that's like, uh, the cost is just not there for me. I don't know if you guys have broke it down or have the numbers in your head, or even if you want to share them, but you know, you guys, you took six buddies out there, two trucks. Um, let's take away the gear that you had to buy. I mean, you bought a boat. Um, you know, for this scenario, you probably had to, but if you didn't have to, like tag, food, lodging, you stayed in an Airbnb, right? Like a log cabin Airbnb. Yep. So, I mean, for one guy, for divided up with six, I mean, what was the trip rough for you? Me and Justin talked about this a couple times, you know, just kind of trying to to get a good number. And honestly, this year, we if all goes well, we'll go back. And it's going to be, we figured roughly on the safe side, on the high side, I would say, and I think you would agree with me, 1,500. Yep. 12 to 1,500. But, you, you know, Kansas is a high high tag number. I mean, you're talking 550 bucks for mm-hmm. a buck and doe tag. Um, but, I mean... I, do you that's agree assuming you have that, all that gear though right that's yes. assuming you have yeah. like the stand bow all that Correct. stuff um, that's that's food i would say that's food gas and lodging and lodging and we put a lot of miles on um on the trucks honestly going back and forth scouting and but i mean I, do you do you think that would be the right number justin yeah i would agree with that like you said you got 550 dollars into your tag plus your lodging your food and your fuel um, you could go cheaper if you were interested in like camping or cold camping, doing yep. that type of ball game. But we, we kind of erred on the side of having the amenities and having the place to get showered up at the end of the day. So we added a little bit of cost, uh, to the week by doing that. But, you know, if you took a camper or something, you could probably do it for a thousand bucks. Which having the amenities like that is key though. If you have the money to do it. Uh, I recommend doing it like coming back, like you said, to shower and have like a, a warm place just to get out of the cold is nice to have. But I mean, even if you take a tent, I mean, you can bear it for six, seven days, you know, and, and make bologna sandwiches and you can really get it pretty cheap. I, I, I would say you could probably do it for a thousand bucks for yeah, sure you by know. yourself. Yeah. You know? And we, you know, we did it tried to do it the right way every guy brings a a frozen meal for dinner at night we you know we packed our snacks for the day um but at the end of the day if you wanted to camp and you wanted to to live real conservatively and 
<laughs> leave out the the beers and the, the yep. stuff like that, yeah, you could definitely, you could probably, honestly, if you really want to be conservative, you could probably do it for 800 bucks, depending yep. on, you know, your fuel. Yep. But I would say that Or a different thousand, location, too. I mean, you guys are driving 14, 15 hours. Right, correct. You could go closer. Illinois, if you're in Michigan, Illinois, Ohio, Wisconsin, Missouri. Ohio, you know, Ohio's yeah. got some big deer in there. Their, their tags are cheap. It's, I will be the first to say, it is overwhelming, um, if you're going to do it, Onyx is 110% the way to go. If you can just take that extra long weekend, it's a lot of driving, but if you can take that and brave the, the elements and put out cameras and try to get that little bit, I mean, cameras is what got deer for yep. several of us, as far as I'm concerned. A little bit of Intel on the front end. Absolutely. Never hurt. So, well, cool fellas. I want to. Thank you guys for coming on and doing this. Hour and 45 minutes into this now, so we could probably wrap it up. <laughs> Justin, thank you very much, man. I appreciate coming on and doing this. Yeah, thanks a lot. We'll have to do it again, just get down and BS. I know we've been talking about having a deer camp night up at uh, LP Camp just because I don't get a lot of deer camps, and, you know, we didn't really have a deer camp. You guys did in Kansas, but, you know, I'm gone every fall, so I want to do a deer camp, and it's, it's April now, and I know this COVID – 19 deals going on but once this thing passes even if it's the summer we should probably go up and have a have an excuse to go play euchre and drink some beers <laughs> absolutely i'm all in on that and there it is i mean it's pretty cool to listen to these guys talk about the their stories and how everything unfolded i do want to get the other guys on the podcast eventually um we will do that with this coronavirus we're kind of quarantined and Everybody's got uh, other obligations. I get it, so I'm going to do with what I can do right now. But uh, I will be getting those other guys on when they're ready. So thank you for them for coming on and doing this. I appreciate that. Hopefully you guys got a lot out of it. If you guys have any more questions and more people, you know, guests that you want me to talk to or just different, you know, topics like this, like people were reaching out and saying, I want to hear more about public land DIY. So I'd like to hear that. Give us some more ideas, and uh, and we'll go and, and seek them out and try to get the best answers for you guys. So thank you again for the support. Thank you for the downloads. Go leave some reviews and some ratings. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll be right here next week on the Fall Podcast.